0: Throughout history, there have been many songs written about the eternal triangle. This next one tells the story of a Mr. Grayson, a beautiful woman, and a condemned man named Tom Dooley. When the sun rises tomorrow, Tom Dooley must hang. Hang down your head, Tom. Lee Hang down your head and cry Hang down your head Tom Duly, Poor boy You're bound to die I met her On the mountain There I Took her life Met her On the mountain Stabbed her With my knife Hang down your head do Lee, hang down your head and cry. Hang down your head, Tom. Do poor boy, you're bound to die. This time tomorrow, reckon where I'll be. Hadn't it been for Grayson, I'd have been in Tennessee. Well, Hey! Down in some lonesome valley Hanging from a white oak tree
1: To
2: die. Tom Dooley, from the Kingston Trio's phenomenally successful debut album from 1958. And the Kingston Trio are still performing. This Wednesday, in fact, at the Kravis Center, along with the Brothers Four and the Limelighters, had the opportunity to speak with members of the current lineup of the Kingston Trio. Mike Marvin, Tim Gorlangton, and Don Marovich. Gentlemen, welcome to WLRN.
3: Thanks for having us, Michael. Thank you.
2: Now, that hit, Tom Dooley, was over 60 years ago, and, and the last original member of the Kingston Trio passed away last year, I believe, Bob Shane. And you are the official Kingston Trio band. Is there any connection you have to? the original members?
4: Yes. Um, Yeah, we, Tim and I have a real intimate connection, Don a little less so, but um, all of us, Don sort of because of his limelighter uh, history, um, the limelighters were as much a part of the whole folk music movement as anybody. You asked me what my connection was, Um, Nick Reynolds was my cousin and And when I was a teenager, he and Joan Reynolds uh, took me in. The Kingston Trio was a part of my life from the time I was 12 years old until about 15 minutes ago. (laughs) And um, still is.
2: So, Mike, I guess that would make you the Kingston Trio expert, being that you spent the most time with them.
4: I was there with the Trio from day one, almost. In our shows, I talk about Nick Reynolds teaching me trio songs and telling me how, teaching me how the trio picks songs and all that stuff. It was part of my life. It wasn't just a, a sort of thing. It was a major part of my life from the time I was 12 years old. And even though I was in the movie business for a long, long, long time, the Kingston trio was always omnipresent in my consciousness.
2: So you must have been as surprised as Dave Gard, Nick Reynolds, and Bob Shane as
4: the success of the band. Yes, because when I, I remember bragging to kids in high school, I went to high school in Truckee, California. Uh, you know, uh, my cousin's in a band called the Kingston Trio. And they go, what? Same thing they do now. But, uh, <laughs> and then it was about a year later after I had touted these guys, um, I was in Tahoe City down at the beach. We were all water skiing. And a guy walked out with a copy of life magazine out on the pier and he said hey is this your cousin and there he was on the cover of life magazine and Mm -hmm. when that life magazine cover happened it was like a skyrocket lit up i mean the the song had already been a hit for a long long time for i guess about seven or eight months but when it came when that life magazine cover happened they went into the stratosphere and stayed that way for the next six or seven years, eight years.
2: Well, the trio released 19 albums in their 10-year career. There, it made Billboard Top 100, 14 of which ranked in the top 10, five of which hit number one spot. Four of the group's LP charting among the 10 top-selling albums for five weeks in November, December of 1959. It, it's it's unprecedented, really. Uh, yeah. I'm speaking with Mike Marvin of the band Kingston Trio, as well as the other members, Tim Gorlangton and Don Marovich. Tim, when did you become a member of the band?
3: I've been working with Mike for, well, longer than we care to say. We met <laughs> in a ski bar in Tahoe City, California. First night I met him, we did four sets together, mostly Kingston Trio songs. We've been doing it ever since. Uh, that was Christmas in '68. So that gives you some concept of how long we've been doing this. Of course, right before that, I had met John Stewart uh, in San Francisco because I admired his writing. He had just left the trio, was starting his long career in Americana and writing some of the best contemporary folk songs ever. And I met Mike. And then that following summer, we ran into Nick. We went up to Nick's place in Oregon, got to know him pretty darn well. And we were in a folk rock group that we did some touring with, had a single out and things like that. And we've been, we've kept in touch ever since. We kind of grew into it, actually recorded with Nick at one point. We think of ourselves kind of the Kingston Trio uh, second generation here, uh, because it feels very familial. Uh, When Bob Shane turned it over to us a number of years ago, one of the things he said is he wanted to keep it in the family. So uh, we feel that connection. And then we, we dragged Donnie in by the scruff of his neck and, uh, <laughs> several years ago, and it's, it's been a kick. We needed a really strong tenor, and Don had spent the last eight years singing uh, Glenn Yarbrough's parts, so you knew he was a strong tenor, and we couldn't be happier to have him with us. Uh, he, he really makes the, the show go round.
5: I'll tell you.
2: Don Marovitch is also a member of the Kingston Trio. Were you Don, were you a solo performer before you joined the band?
5: had a band in the southwest for 44 years that uh, played pop music essentially and covers and lots of nightclub work and uh, I remember loving the Kingston Trio as a kid and and being so excited when Jon Stewart got in the band because I was a big fan of his music and in fact in the 70s I used to sing MTA on stage in a nightclub that we played regularly there and uh, now I do it in concert with the band. Uh, what a time jump. So uh, I, it's sort of a psychic connection. Beyond that, it's guilt by association. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the Kingston Trio, they're going to be kicking off their Florida tour at the Kravis Center this Wednesday evening. They'll also be in concert with the Limelighters and the Brothers Four. Guys, it looks like your tour, which starts on Wednesday, is going to be pretty rigorous traveling yes. all over the state are you guys up for it or, or is you ready for a third generation of the <laughs> <Kingston Shield?
4: laughs> all right no, no we're, we're we're up for it we're up for it i mean i i don't know about these guys but i think it's fun shane asked me sent me up just before he died he sent me a letter he said are you tired of the road yet and he said after 57 years i never got tired of it and it occurred to me i've never been tired of it I was telling Don when we were traveling like two or three weeks ago that I still like airports. I still (laughs) like driving around, seeing stuff. So,
2: Let me talk about what the Kingston Trio was about back in 1958. There was something new and fresh, although from what I hear some people describe, they were just rehashing some of the uh, Weaver's music. What's also interesting is that they were kind of playing off the popular calypso craze that Harry Belafonte made popular. <clears throat> That's true.
3: Well, speaking of the weavers, uh, they always thought the weavers were just the greatest folk group ever. When they, when they finally get to, got to see them uh, early on, they would, Nick was almost reduced to tears. They were so good. Uh, he, he used to say, at concerts, he'd say, Yeah, the Weavers were our favorite folk group. We used to do a lot of their material, and Bob Shane would say, we used to do all of their material.
2: (laughs) Well, let's take a little music break here. This is, again, the original Kingston Trio from the 1958 groundbreaking album. Here is Fast Freight.
1: As I listen for the whistle, lie awake and wait. Wish the railroad didn't run so near. Cause the rattle and the clatter of that old fast freight keeps a making music in my ear. Go bum again. Go bum again. Clickety-clack The wheels are with The railroad track Well, if you go You can't come back Well, if you go You can't come back Well, if you go You can't come back If you go You can't come back If you go You can't come back, you go, you can't come back. Well, I wouldn't give a nickel For the bum I used to be work as hard as any man in town I got a pretty gal she thinks the world of me man I'd be a fool to let her down go bum again go bum again whistleblower. Clickety clack, clickety clack, the wheels are singing through the railroad track, well if you go, you can't come back. Well if you go, you can't come back. Well if you go, you can't come back. If you go, you can't come back. If you go, you can't come back. Every night I listen, wonder if it's late. In my dreams, I'm riding on that train. I feel my pulse beating with that old fast freight. And thank the Lord, I'm just a bum again. Go bum again. Go bum again. clackety clack clackety clack the wheels are sing with the railroad track well if you go you can't come back well if you go you can't come back well if you go you can't come back if you go you can't come back if you go you can't come back
2: Fast Freight from the Kingston Trio, and they'll be performing November 10th at the Kravitz Center to kick kick off their Florida tour, and then they'll be all over the state. More information at their website at thekingstontrio.com, and then they'll be in Key West on December 12th. And On the line with me, I do have the current lineup of the Kingston Trio, Mike Marvin, Tim Gorlangton, and Don Maravich. There was some controversy because the Kingston Trio created the new folk revival and some people didn't think what the Kingston Trio was doing was folk music. They thought it was too popular. Uh, Do you have a a feeling on that, Mike?
4: I do. Um, I thought that what the Kingston Trio did was critical. The Kingston Trio opened up the world, it opened up the United States, it opened up America to the whole concept of storytelling songs and even though it was considered to be a quote polished group unquote they presented songs in such a way folk songs in such a way that everybody could relate to it and everybody could sit down in their living room and go hey i can do that or that sounds easy and that's fun and these songs ended up in in campfires and living rooms all over the United States. What the trio did with their success is they opened up the door for a lot of other so-called purists. I think that commercial uh, sound that the trio created was critically important to the explosion that folk music happened from 58 to 66.
3: A good point along in there is the fact that they opened up new venues that other groups could follow along. And they they pioneered the college concert tour, practically invented the college concert tour. Because people became interested in that acoustic music, they began opening up their ears to other kinds of acoustic music. And so a lot of the traditional performers started getting some really good work riding that wave of interest. Uh, Even somebody like Doc Watson uh, once said that the Kingston Trio showed us what it was all about to go back to our roots and bring this stuff up uh, to the public. Uh, a lot of a lot of traditional performers give the, the Trio credit for opening people's ears to their music and offering them lots of work in, in, in the wake of the folk boom, or as Don calls it, the folk scare. <laughs> in, the, in the late 50s, the early 60s. And a lot of artists credit them with getting them interested in picking up an acoustic instrument and making their own music.
5: The fact that in 1958, when they did their first <clears throat> album, Capitol Records, executives listened to it and they thought it would be judicious to press a thousand records, <laughs> which is tantamount to, we don't like it, we're going to shelf these guys. And it Tom Dooley, which is an incredibly accessible song to anybody. It has two chords, a simple melody and a nice story. Zoomed to number one, thanks to some DJs in Salt Lake City who were playing it. And all of a sudden the album went to number one and every record executive in the country was looking for their version of a popular folk group that they could put out there. So they opened a lot of doors for a lot of aspiring folk musicians through this, chance happening if you will
2: well not only can you credit the kingston trio to the boom in popular folk music but also the interest in traditional folk music the song tom dooley is actually an old song where did they first hear it
3: i understand that it was uh on an interview afternoon at the purple onion that another folk singer was doing the song and they a version of the song and dave dave was really interested in it and they researched the uh thing in the Lomax book and came up with their own version of it and told the story so it was just one of, it's a traditional it's the folk process where you hear something somebody's doing and then you make it your own so it was almost a, almost a catch-as-catch-can that it came up and, and on that serendipity but there you are the rest of showbiz history now
2: speaking to the kingston trio who's going to be Doing shows throughout Florida, starting Wednesday evening at the Kravitz Center in West Palm Beach. What was the original, what was the magic of the original trio? What, what, what did they have that, that made them
4: special? Well, there were a lot of things. Uh, first of all, they were the first. They were originals. You know, the trio was the biggest group in the world right up until the Beatles came. Uh, the, when the trio came out, suddenly boys in the United States were cut, buzz cutting their hair. Everybody was wearing striped shirts and uh, penny loafers with white socks. It was a cultural thing that happened. And other groups like the Beach Boys copied them and started wearing striped shirts. And don't forget the button down collars. And the button down collars. Yes. Look, like when the. When Peter, Paul, and Mary came out, everybody didn't go around and start wearing goatees. When When the Limelighters came out, everybody didn't go around wearing suits and ties. And you know, when Dylan came out, everybody didn't walk around with their hair like he combed it with dynamite. And uh, so that's the difference. That's the difference. When you influence an entire culture, uh, people are going to remember you. And that's exactly what happened with the trio.
2: I, couldn't, I can't imagine what it would be like to be on top of the charts and then having a band from over the sea come and take over. Was there any animosity toward the Beatles?
4: No, no. As a matter of fact, um, I tell the story on our show of, of the trio driving to their last show in England and one of their last shows in England. They're driving up to the, the theater and there's about three or four hundred screaming girls waiting in line. And Nick, Bob, and John were pretty happy about that because that wasn't something they usually saw. But what they didn't realize is when they got to the theater, those girls were there for their opening act, and that opening act was the Beatles.
2: (laughs) I'm speaking with Mike Marvin, Tim Gorlington, and Don Marovich of the Kingston Trio. So you guys are having fun. This is is fun for you guys.
3: Well, that's the essence of the sound, too. One thing we always admired most about the trio is and everybody did. Was that they were having fun? They'd come on the stage, having fun. Uh, we we found an early review from the San Francisco Chronicle, uh, 58 or 59, where the reviewer I love this quote. He said, "They tumble on stage as though they had just been interrupted in the middle of their own private party." And that's they brought a party on stage and they spread it around the room, and it was an inspiration to see that. And it's something that we try very hard to recreate because we love playing this music. We love playing with each other and making this music on stage. It's a kick. Believe me, Michael.
2: That's Tim Gorlington of the Kingston Trio. I'm going to play one more song. Thank you, Tim, Mike Marvin, and Don Morovich. The Kingston Trio kicking off their Florida tour this Wednesday at the Kravis Center in West Palm Beach along with the Brothers Four and the Limelighters. Here's one more song, a monster hit for the Kingston Trio, The MTA. Thanks, gentlemen. And I appreciate you taking time to talking to us. Thank,
4: Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael.
1: These are the times that try men's souls. In the course of our nation's history, the people of Boston have rallied bravely whenever the rights of men have been threatened. Today, a new crisis has arisen. The Metropolitan Transit Authority, better known as the MTA, is attempting to levy a burdensome tax on the population in the form of a subway fare increase. Citizens, hear me out. This could happen to you.
0: tell you of the story of a man named Charlie on a tragic and fateful day. He put ten cents in his pocket, kissed his wife and family, went to ride on the MTA. Well, did he ever return? No, oh, he never returned, and his fate is still unlearned. What a pity. He may ride forever beneath the streets of Boston, he's the man who never returned. Charlie handed in his dime at the square station and he changed for jamaica plane when he got there the conductor told him one more nickel charlie couldn't get off of that train but did he ever return no oh, he never returned and his fate is still unlearned he may ride forever beneath the streets of boston he's the man who never returned now all night long charlie rides through the station crying what will become of me how can i afford to see my sister in chelsea or my cousin in roxbury but did he ever return no he never returned and his fate is still unlearned he may ride forever beneath the streets of boston he's a man who never returned Charlie's wife goes down to the Scully Square station every day at quarter past two, and through the open window she hands Charlie a sandwich as the train comes rumbling through. But did he ever return? No, he never returned, and his fate is still unlearned. He may ride forever beneath the streets of Boston. He's the citizens of boston don't you think it's a scandal how the people have to pay and pay fight the fair increase vote for george o'brien get for charlie off the mta or else he'll never return no he'll never return and his fate is still unlearned just like he may ride forever beneath the streets of boston he's the man who'll never return he's the man Oh, Charlie.